This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. So my dad and I share a ton of similarities. We look very much so alike. We, we have similar loves and interests. And as I get older and older, I catch myself saying something a certain way or, or having a specific mannerism and thinking, oh man, I'm just like my dad. And as a kid, that's all that I wanted. So in everything I did, I would try to mimic him. And when I became a teenager, I started to use these similarities for, let's call them devious ends. See, in our house, my my sisters and I would rush as soon as we heard the phone ringing to see who would be the one to answer it first. I don't know why we did it. All I know is it was a competition, and I had to beat my sisters to doing it. I remember one day, I, I answered the phone first, and the person on the other line started talking to me like I was my dad. I was offended. How do they not know that it's me? I, I, I almost yelled at them on the other line, like, how do you not know it's me through this garbled telephone call? But I started to realize I just might have something here. So I started to practice how my dad answered the phone. And then one day we got a, a home phone that had caller ID on it, and I knew my plan was going into full gear. So I rushed as I heard the phone ring. I would check to see who was calling, and if it was someone I knew, I would answer it as best I can, as my dad did. And after a few moments of having conversation with them, I would eventually break character and giggling like a maniac, I'd say something like, I'm not your son, I'm your grandson. Funniest thing in the world, right? Well, at least it was to a middle schooler. But you know who I could never trick? You know, in all my attempts of trying to answer the phone as best as I could, like my dad does, who always knew that it was me, my mom. This is the woman who knew my dad better than anyone, and until I married Emily, knew me better than anyone. With the time she spent with us, with the love, the care, the compassion from my dad and I, she could spot right away that I was not the real thing, that I was not my dad, because she knew him too well, and she knew me too well. Maybe you have someone like that in your life, someone who knows you, that can pick you out just by the sound of your voice, someone who loves you for who you are. Well, today we're going to build off of that type of connection. We're going through the series called Jesus I Am, where we see what does the Bible say who Jesus is. And as a result of that, how does that change who we are? We saw Jesus is the bread of life. He satisfies our needs. Jesus is the light of the world, that he helps us get out of darkness, avoiding sin and shame and and sorrow and pain, and instead live and walk in the good way that he has for us. And last week we saw Jesus is the door. And it's this last one that I want to spend just a little bit of time on because the the passage, where we find it in the Bible, well, that's our same passage for today. So a little bit of background for it. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man who was born blind, never saw a day in his life. And instead of this being a miraculous, incredible moment, this man is instead pulled in 
by the Jewish leaders and interrogated. They missed the good work that Jesus had done for him because they thought it wasn't done the right way. And this is just one more example of, of a history of Jewish leaders, of Israelite leaders in the Old Testament, leading God's people astray, leading them towards destruction. And it's out of this history, this pattern of destruction and pain and hurt and God's people abandoning him from bad leadership, God says something incredible. If you uh, watched or were with us last week, you know that we spent some time in Ezekiel chapter 34. And if you don't remember that, that's totally fine. You could totally pretend that you remember it. And, and this is an incredible passage because it's in the midst of these bad leaders, Jesus, or sorry, God tears them apart. He says these leaders are like shepherds who are feasting on their own flock. He says that they care more about building themselves up than caring for the flock. He, he says that they are uh, losing, the, the sheep are being scattered because of their bad leadership. So, God has a plan. He will lead them. God himself will come to be a shepherd for his people, his flock, his sheep. Yes, people of God, this is what we are called time and time again in the Bible, God's sheep, because we, we are beings that need care and compassion and guidance. And in Ezekiel 34, God says he will come and give that to his people. And so it's out of this backdrop that Jesus begins to have a conversation with the Jewish leaders it is with this pattern of, of the Jewish leaders as shepherds leading the flock astray that he speaks in to talk to them after John chapter 9, and they miss the good work that he had done in the blind man. They missed caring for the sheep. They missed this incredible thing that was done to give care and compassion to this man who needed it, all in an attempt to build themselves up, to build up their own authority so that they could say what was right. So Jesus enters into conversation with them in John chapter 10. We read it last week, but I want to reread for us uh, verses 1 through 6. John 10 verses 1 through 6 says this. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus is speaking to these leaders who once again missed what God was doing, who once again are leading the sheep astray and are more concerned with building themselves up. So Jesus says to them, I am coming to be the shepherd that you are not being. I am coming to be the shepherd that you were supposed to be. And he says that to them in verses one through five, which we just read. But verse six, they don't understand what he's saying. So Jesus unpacks this for them using two illustrations. The first one we got last week. 
Jesus says, I am the door. Through me do people have access to God, and only through me, not through false shepherds, not through bad leaders, but through me do you have access to God, and more than that, protection. No one can take them away from me. That's the first example. The second one is in our passage today. Unlike these leaders who are more concerned of building themselves up than caring for the sheep, unlike these leaders who, who care more about their own authority, unlike these leaders who act like bad shepherds, Jesus instead is, well, let's read it together. This is John 10, verse 11 through 13. It says, I, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who doesn't own the sheep, he sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them, scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus says, unlike you, leaders, who failed in John line, unlike you, shepherds, who were called, who had sheep placed under you, unlike you, who throughout all of Israel's history has missed what God has called them to, I am the good shepherd. And so the question we can ask is, what is it that makes Jesus different from these other leaders? Or another way to put that, what is it that makes him a good shepherd? Well, if we look back in our text, I think verse 11 gives us the first thing of what makes a good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In other words, a good shepherd sacrifices. A good shepherd sacrifices. Where these other leaders cared more about building themselves up, Jesus has come to lay down his life to sacrifice. And this idea is so closely linked to the door. So Jesus says there that through me, you have access to God. You can have an abundant life. This is how we get that abundant life, through Jesus' sacrifice, through him laying down his life for the sheep. These other leaders, well, they're more like hired hands, it says. They don't own the sheep. They don't feel affection for the sheep. When when danger comes, they flee because they have no buy-in. They have no care or compassion for them. Jesus is not that kind of leader. Jesus has love. Jesus has compassion for the sheep, so much so that he is willing to lay down his life, to die so that they can live. Hear that as we. Jesus has so much love and compassion for us that he's willing to die so that we can live. A good shepherd sacrifices. And Jesus is a good, sac- a good shepherd because he lays down his life. Another way we see in the text of how Jesus is a good shepherd is a good shepherd knows his own. We see that in verse 14. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. A good shepherd knows his own. See, Jesus coming and laying down his life as a sacrifice is a tremendous, tremendous thing 
but he isn't coming and dying. He isn't coming to be a sacrifice for some nameless, faceless people. No, he knows his own. Earlier we read, he calls each of them by name. He knows them, not just things about his people, not just things about the sheep, but he knows his own and loves them. I, th- I think one of the worst things that we could do as Christians is become numb to this idea. We, we talk so often about God's love. It's, it's uh, something we say a lot. It's in most of our songs that we sing. Sometimes we even treat it as like a send-off or a goodbye, like, God loves you. But we cannot become numb to this truth, this most incredible truth, the most important reality that we will ever experience that the God, the creator of the universe, loves you. That's not a throwaway line. Focus on that. Hear that for you. The creator of the universe loves you. Equally as damaging, I think, is to hear that love as less than what it is. Jesus loves you. Yes, I know. He, he loves everyone. Jesus lays down his life for you. Yeah, Jesus died for the sins of the world. Yes, that's true. But there is a personal characteristic of this love that's meant for you. He calls his own by name. There is a personal aspect for you. The creator of the universe loves you. You. You watching this video. The creator of the universe loves you. While he loves everyone, there is a special love in there for you. Jesus knows his own and he loves them. He knows everything about them. He knows everything about you. He knows what makes you laugh and what makes you cry. He knows what is going on on your best of days and how you responded to that and how you felt in that. He knows what is going on in your worst of days and how you felt in that. He knows your quirks. He knows exactly what it is that makes you, you. He knows all of that. He knows his own. Jesus knows everything about you and he loves you. He loves you. The text continues. It's a reciprocal love. He says, I know my own, and my own know me. In that deep affection that Jesus has for us, he allows us to know him in the same way. I think verse 4 that we read earlier says this really well. It says, uh, when he, the, the shepherd from the illustration, has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, Why? Because they know his voice. This is what made me think of of when I was a teenager and trying to trick people as, as pretending to be my dad on the phone. But my mom knew my voice. She knew me. She knew my dad better than anyone. And so just from the sound of my voice, she could tell that it was me, even over the phone even over miles of telephone wires, even through a bad impersonation, my mom knew me. She knew my voice. Last week, we got a a 
bunch of details, and they were so good about what uh, shepherding was like in, in first century Israel. And, and let me just add one more piece to that. Um, at this time, and, and still even today in, in the Middle East and other areas, uh, shepherds would kind of band together. They would bring all their flocks uh, to be cared for, for protection and, and for company and, and, and the like. And I, I just thought, how difficult would it be to try to figure out which sheep are yours and which are other shepherds? Because the sheep come in and they all get mixed in. And how do you tell which are your sheep and which are someone else's? It would be as if uh, someone came in with uh, a collection of cotton balls and dumped them on this table. And a couple other people came in and dumped their collection of cotton there as well. We, we mix it up and we tell you, pick out which one, uh, pick out which cotton balls he brought. Specifically him. Which cotton balls did he bring? It's impossible, right? And that's with pretty com- compliant pieces of cotton, let alone a belligerent animal. But the shepherds trained these animals with a certain call or a, a song that they would sing. They could let the sheep know where they were. They would use their voice to tell them where they were. And so as they sang, as they called, just their sheep would emerge from this flock. You can see videos of this today. It's incredible to look at this big old flock of sheep and just a single stream going in one direction, another stream going in one direction, following after the shepherd. How? They know his voice. Another uh, example that I saw, I was, I was reading a commentary and, and uh, the, the author talked about being in Jerusalem and, and Jerusalem's one of the busiest cities that I've ever been in in my life. And he says, while he's there, he sees the shepherd guiding his flock through all the hustle and bustle through all the tourism, through all the traffic, both foot and vehicle. Now, parents, I, I don't want to give you war flashbacks of times where you've tried to navigate your children through busy areas, but imagine having a flock of 20, 30 sheep in such a busy area. How do they not get distracted? How do they not become scared by, by all the noises around them? How, how do they not accidentally follow someone else? It's because right in, out in front is the shepherd leading them, and they know his voice. Jesus says, I know my own, and my own know me. They know my voice. So what does that look like? What does that look like for us to know the voice of Jesus? Well, in the passage, he's talking about calling people to salvation through him. He's he's calling people to know him, to be part of his flock. And so what I think it looks like is uh, something that we could see clearly in people's testimonies or people's story of how Jesus saved them. I think of mine, for instance. When I was, um, when I was in seventh grade, I began to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. See, before that, I, I found out I could get attention by fighting other kids and by using language that I would never dream of using in front of my parents. But one day I woke up and I decided not to do that anymore. It, it really is as simple as waking up one day and saying, I don't like that attention. I don't want to be known for this anymore. Why? I was beginning to hear a voice. 
I was invited to go to church. I, I hated going to church. So why did I go? I was beginning to hear a voice. I was encouraged to read the Bible. So I, I did because I was beginning to hear a voice. And I gave my life to Jesus because I heard the voice of the good shepherd calling after me. When you hear people's testimonies, you can almost point to that spot of, of them beginning to hear the voice of Jesus, a change that's happening as they are beginning to follow after the good shepherd. So I ask, do you know the good shepherd? It says in our passage that the, the sheep know his voice. Only the sheep know his voice and follow after him. Is that you? Are you known and loved in this incredible way that only Jesus as our shepherd can do? Do you know the good shepherd? If you don't, we would love to talk to you more about what it means to, to be known and loved by Jesus and to follow after him as our good shepherd. You can head to our website, calvarybible.com. On the, on the front page, you'll see uh, one of two things. There's, there's a live chat option that you can uh, connect with someone who's just waiting to hear from you. There's also a connect card there where you can let us know a little bit about yourself. We are so excited to hear how the good shepherd is calling you by name and you can know his voice. So uh, let me spend uh, just a little bit of time on this. So that is what I, I believe Jesus is saying when they know his voice, this call to be part of his fold, this, to be part of his flock, this call to know and be saved by him. That is what it means to know his voice. But there still is a little bit more than we can do. As, as Christians, how do we know the voice of Jesus daily? I think about it like the shepherd in, in Jerusalem guiding his sheep through. There, there are so many places to get distracted. There's so many other people we might follow. There's, there's so many other voices we might hear. So how do we daily follow the voice of Jesus? Well, I think it's as simple as knowing what he has said so that we can follow him. Look, I get it. A pastor telling you to read the Bible is not necessarily breaking new ground but we're not supposed to break new ground. We're called to make a habit, to return often to the voice that God has given us, the voice that is recorded in his word for us, showing us how we are to live, how we are to follow after him. We cannot know what the voice of Jesus sounds like if we don't know what Jesus has said. He's calling us to follow after him. And as we spend more and more time in the Bible, we know more and more of what he sounds like, what he's calling us to. Just like as my mom spent so much time with me and knew me, so much time with my dad and knew me, I couldn't trick her into thinking that I was him. She knew my voice. In the same way, as we spend more and more time in the Bible, we hear what Jesus is calling us to. We hear what Jesus is saying our lives are to look like. We hear what Jesus is saying, how much he loves for us and cares for us. In other words, we hear Jesus' voice. What is it that makes a good shepherd? Well, a good shepherd sacrifices, and we saw that. Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. 
Well, a, a good shepherd knows his own, and, and we just saw that. He knows them, he calls them by name, and they hear his voice, and they know him just as deeply. And finally, what is it that makes a good shepherd? Well, a good shepherd has authority, and Jesus is able to keep every promise that he makes. Let me read for us uh, John 10, verses 17 and 18. It says this, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus makes so many incredible promises to his followers here in John chapter 10. He promises uh, salvation, access to God through him. He promises that he will know and love his people. He promises that no one can take his people away from him. He, he promises that, uh, that he will lay down his life for the sheep, die so that they can live. And he promises here that he will take his life back up again, which is his resurrection. There are so many incredible promises in this chapter, but if Jesus doesn't have the authority to keep those promises, then at best they're beautiful words, and at worst they're lies. But Jesus does have that authority. Jesus does have that authority to do all that he says that he will do. He has come to give us access to God, and that comes through his death for his sheep. And he knows his sheep by name. He knows them and loves them. And all this is because of authority given to him from the Father. But it doesn't stop there. If you continue in John chapter 10, it looks like Jesus is still having this conversation with the Jewish leaders of the time, those who uh, were, were dropping the ball, not loving the sheep like they were called to do. And Jesus is continuing to talk to them. And he says in verse 30 something incredible. He says, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. This means that Jesus has authority beyond anything that these, these leaders can imagine. John chapter 10, it says Jesus is the door. He can give us access to God. He can give us salvation that no one can take us away from him. How? Well, Jesus is a good shepherd, and he lays down his life for the sheep. He knows them and loves them, willing to die so that they can live. And he is able to do all of this because he has authority from God as God. Jesus is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. He is God himself who has come to shepherd the sheep. But it goes even further than that. Because as he is saying these things to the leaders, they take up stones to kill him. Jesus isn't just saying words that we want to hear, but by using these very words that he is, he is ensuring it that he will keep his promise. He is ensuring that he will lay down his life for the sheep. In other words, by saying what he is saying here, he is ensuring that he will keep his promise. This is what it says. So the, the Jewish leaders grab stones to stone him, to kill him. And they say in verse 33, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, 
but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus says he has come to lay down his life for the sheep. And by saying these words, he has placed himself on a one-way street to the cross, the place where he keeps his promises. Jesus is the good shepherd. A good shepherd sacrifices, and Jesus has come to lay down his life for the sheep so that they can live. A good shepherd knows his own, and he does. He calls them by name, allowing them to know himself in that deep way as well. And a good shepherd has authority, and Jesus has come as God to shepherd the sheep, ensuring he will keep all of the promises that he makes. If you go and walk out on the street and you come across someone, back when we used to walk out on streets and come across someone, and you ask them, what is something that's in the Bible? Even if they don't know much about it, they could probably say John 3.16 or something about love in 1 Corinthians. David and Goliath, the Lord's Prayer. And I think on that same tier, you might hear someone mention Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, and that is Jesus. Because of all that Jesus tells us in John 10, because of the love and care that he shows for us as our shepherd, I think we can read that in a, in a, a, a biblical interpretive way, in a, in a special way to, to read through John 10 to understand better Psalm 23. I want you to hear this as who Jesus is for you. I want you to hear this. When I say I, I want you to place yourself in, an, in that word. I want you to hear this as what Jesus is doing and leading you and loving you and calling you. Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. For Jesus refreshes my soul. Jesus guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for Jesus is with me. Jesus' rod and staff, they comfort me. Jesus has prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of Jesus forever. That is a picture of a good shepherd, and that is exactly what Jesus is for us. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your love, your love that surpasses anything that we have experienced it is for the world, and it is for us uniquely, individually. As we go out, may we continue to learn more of what it means to follow you, our shepherd, daily. And we ask as well that you use us, attune our ears to hear where you might be calling people to you for the first time. Jesus, you are a good shepherd. You lead us in all things. Because of that, we worship you and you alone. And so we pray. Amen.